Christopher McKinnon, and you're listening to the Notes from Dad to Son podcast, a podcast from a dad who's still trying to figure it all out in time for his son being old enough to start asking questions. Alright, this is episode 8, and it's called Crossroads and Company. It's recorded on the 11th of November, and it will be going out on Thursday, Thursday the 21st of November. So what can we say about Crossroads and Company? That's to say, what can I say about Crossroads and Company? Crossroads, first of all, how many times in your life do you come up against a set of opportunities or a a threshold that needs to be crossed, a decision that has to be made, where simply staying the course, staying on that fence isn't an option. You hear people say that making no decision is a decision in and of itself and whilst that may indeed be true it doesn't it doesn't bring change and I'm talking about creating change for yourself here so staying a course is not going to be putting yourself in the driver's seat of creating that change for yourself. Change is going to happen, but it's not going to be through your own volition. It's going to happen to you rather than be directed by you. Crossroads. Sometimes you're at a crossroad in terms of who you associate with and that relates in part to company at some point in your life you're going to encounter company and you're going to need to make a decision as to whether to keep that company abstain from it or ignore it altogether You might find that what's on offer, whilst attractive and certainly pleasing, is not going to be anything that's going to be suitable in the long term. It may serve as a distraction. The lyrics from Watanes, they wrote on touch on this 
a little bit in part where it says they sat at the crossroads with high and with low yet neither could alter their course riches were offered unto them yet indifferent and without remorse they rode on being at the crossroads with high and with low when you think about what that could potentially mean for a person that doesn't necessarily follow the same path as the band members of Latin do who are the people that are high you know the people that are perhaps well to do well regarded in society in their own um, their own circles people who have some degree of influence over others and the people that are low who perhaps don't have any degree of influence over anyone the outliers of society the people that as voices described in the London album are a bit like rats incapable of keeping with their rhythms of mainstream society it's a bit inhumane referring to people in that way but for me when I look at what is on offer in life such as is available and is regarded as desirable to mainstream society it's perhaps a little bit old-fashioned but the idea of 2.4 kids house mortgage two cars marriage so many holidays abroad a year etc that would be the desirable lifestyle that is sold um, certainly growing up up until now and for a lot of people that's not attainable for others that you know is so attainable as to be regarded as the bare minimum of what would be acceptable to have in a life for others though like myself it's not in and of itself something to be achieved there is more that I want in life for myself than just that standard and that kind of template doesn't really serve the way that I live my life anyway I have purposefully in all my years 
of employment decided never to work anywhere that it would be necessary to commute by car or motorbike or what have you. And in my earlier years, I was satisfied with commuting by public transport. And in those days, you didn't really have MP3 players yet. Well, you, you could get them, but they weren't that great for storage until things like the, the iPod came out and other competitors. And this is before you could even like stream music on your phone. So I would have a Sony CD Walkman with me on these commutes because I learned through commuting on public transport even six miles by bus can take the best part of half an hour or more. And I found that for the few that would be speaking on the bus at the time, I didn't want to be aware of their boring, to me, conversations about what they had seen on the television the night before and and all that and I really didn't want to be a part of um, that kind of shared commuter identity. I saw myself as a part from everyone else on the bus or at least I wanted to be a part from them. And looking back, I suppose most of the commuters really were just more concerned about getting to their place of, of work anyway. But there would be the odd few that would chat with one another, or others would read newspapers and such like. But just in case, I always had my headphones in because I never wanted to give off the impression that I wanted to be approached and spoken to by anyone on the commute. I just wasn't interested in that interaction. Anyway, um, in a few years later on, when I first started commuting, I found that where I was commuting to, it was often at certain times of the year quicker for me to walk than to commute by bus or train. Trains would be late, cancelled, and buses would just take ages. Traffic would be horrendous, roadworks, etc. High volume of traffic, depending on the time of year when school kids are off and holidays are happening, etc. So, I would walk to work when, in those days, I worked in retail. Even if it meant getting drenched in the rain, I would rather do that than spend time on a bus with other people. And then, 
working in care, I was fortunate enough to work at a place where it was in the same town and at most a 20 minute walk away from the flats that I lived in, aside from where I live just now, which was not even a five minute walk away from the building. And then of course it transferred to another branch as it were. And now I commute there by bike because I still don't want to be the kind of person that commutes by car. And it's nothing against car drivers as individuals, but it's as if like getting around town by car or getting to where they need to be at the times I'm commuting, it's like like preparing for battle almost. Particularly because I ride on the road with my bike and you do get some considerable motorists. Every so often you get really aggressive, annoying people in cars. I've had cars with drivers and them trying to ram me off the road before. I've had um, cars revving up as close to my back wheel as they can get in an attempt to intimidate me off the road before. But I'm undeterred, I still commute that way. Because on the whole it is quicker for me to do that than it would be to get a bus into town and then walk the rest of the way. And a lot of the time I can get through the traffic quicker than the cars can. Although they still insist in racing past me to go to the next red light that they can get to. So, a crossroad in my life in terms of commuting came about through not wanting to spend time with other people and also through not wanting to be a part of that rat race, not wanting the expense and the maintenance of a car, the petrol, the road tax, well, the road tax. There is no such thing as road tax in the UK. Road maintenance is paid for by um, council tax. Um, but the whole expense and also the environmental implications because it's only now really they're starting to roll out electric cars and even then wanting to take my life at a pace a fair bit slower than the rest of the fellow commuters are willing to do because I just feel that you miss so much if you're going at such a fast pace all the time nobody on the way to work sees the world the same way I do as they're speeding up the hill on the last stretch of um, my journey going along that road 
they don't see the sunrise the same way I do or from the same angle. They don't get the benefit of the the smells of the the autumn air, of the frost, of the wood fires burning in houses or in the quiet mornings when I'm going to work early on a Sunday morning. They don't get to hear the sounds of the trees whistling in the wind, of the the birds tweeting away in the trees and all the other ambient audible treasures that they're missing. So company company is a funny thing for me because I'm naturally introverted I can count my close friends on one hand and that's just the way that I always have had it I've never been one for a collection of friends or associates and I make the time for the ones that really matter in my life it's not even that I'm antisocial as such it's just that any real um, real need for socialization that a regular person might have that extends beyond the workplace or the regular day-to-day routine that would require them to seek out other social activities in their spare time for me is met 100% whilst I'm at work because I work with people and then my family my girlfriend and my son and then you know the the two or three friends that I have above and beyond that so I enjoy the company of those few and my own company but the thing is with company you only get as good a benefit from having the company that you have as you're able to put into that and in terms of um, what you might be looking for in exchange for participating in that company I mean the company I have most available to me and my friends and my nearest family fulfill a basic social need but in terms of providing a need that cannot be met in that context such as with my initiation with the Temple of Set 
none of them are interested really in the left-hand path approach to life and so the kinds of conversations that I can have with them are somewhat limited in that regard and the kinds of challenges they can offer me um, are quite limited as well because they don't seek to provide that challenge in the same way another initiate of the left-hand path would. And this is why in the Temple of Set there is great emphasis on initiation happening face-to-face or mouth-to-ear and to be affiliated with the Temple of Set and to not engage with other initiates in that way is to deprive yourself of that that form of interaction and and the kinds of, of challenge you may need in your initiation. So you would only you would only really be getting the core philosophy and then you know it's entirely up to you how you apply that but if there's no one to test your ideas of how you're applying it then you're essentially stuck in your own little echo chamber living your life perhaps in delusion and that's where the the danger lies in the left-hand path is people go off on their own and believe themselves to be on the right path, approaching it in the, the right way for them. when in fact, they are heading into delusion or they become stagnant because there's been no one to test and challenge their ideas. So that is the kind of company that I have to make a lot of effort to be a part of because in Scotland I am the only affiliate of the Temple of Set, which is not to say there are not others within the UK, but it involves a fair amount of travel to reach them. Fortunately, there is Skype and we can and do communicate via Skype from time to time, but it's better to do 
on a, a larger scale, should we say, in the form of a regional gathering, such as an international conclave, as the annual international gatherings are called, or a regional gathering. So that's a little bit about the kind of company I have available to me at present. And thinking a little bit more about company, companies more than just the kind of people that you associate with. It's also the kind of habits that you form through um, activities that you pursue, which may or may not be of benefit to you in the long term. If you hang out with people that enjoy binge drinking and you are sober, chances are you're not going to feel as much a part of that group than if you were to also partake in binge drinking. And if you're going to be influenced by the company that you keep, then it makes sense to ensure that the activities indulged in by the company you keep serve your own interests and sense of health and well-being so as not to cause harm to yourself. Looking back over the years in my life, a lot of the time, the choices I had made about the company that I was keeping did not do me a lot of good. In my early school years, whilst I still did not have a huge array of friends, that's just something that's always been the way for me. I preferred only to have a few. In the earlier years, the ones that I befriended tended to be the ones that were able to make me laugh. But that would also get me into trouble. And then later on, being a new kid in a different school, in a new town, my first choice was to go with the person who showed 
the first sign of anything resembling a friendly face and that led into years of semi-abusive friendship and eventually abusive relationship through high school. It can be hard to know when to go it alone in life. If no one is having your back then you can take on anybody as a friend even if they're not going to be supportive to you in the long run. Fortunately, a couple of years into high school, I took the decision to care a whole lot less about what other people were thinking and saying about me. And that I found to be quite liberating in that I would no longer be dependent on that other person for what up until that point I had perceived as a friendship. And so then I met my brother-in-law. Well, I had already met my brother-in-law in first year in high school, but I hadn't really engaged in anything resembling a friendship, at least until third year. But we didn't hang out all the time during school, and we didn't hang out much outside of school until after fourth year in high school by which point I had totally disassociated myself from um, my first boyfriend. So if you find yourself in a position where the company you're keeping is not serving your best interests, then it is important to sever yourself from that company. Even an absence of company is better than company that does you no good. So, I think I will close this episode here at this point. Thanks for listening.